This is Jake Leahy reading the Supreme Court Opinion Syllabus and Simonelli v. United States. Certiorari to the United States Court of Appeals for the Second Circuit, decided May 11, 2023. Petitioner Louis Simonelli was convicted of federal wire fraud for his involvement in a scheme to rig the bid process for obtaining state-funded development projects associated with then New York Governor Andrew Cuomo's Buffalo Billion Initiative. The Buffalo Billion Initiative was administered by the nonprofit Fort Schuler Management Corporation. Investigations uncovered that Fort Schuler board member Elaine Caliores paid lobbyist Todd Howe $25,000 in state funds each month to ensure that the Cuomo administration gave Calioris, a prominent role in administering projects for Buffalo Billion. Simonelli's construction company, L.P. Simonelli, paid Howe $100,000 to $180,000 each year to help it obtain state-funded jobs. In 2013, Howe and Calioris devised a scheme whereby Calioris would tailor Fort Schuller's bid process to smooth the way for L.P. Simonelli to receive major Buffalo Billion contracts by designating L.P. Simonelli as a preferred developer with priority status to negotiate for specific projects. Calioris, Howe, and Simonelli jointly developed a set of requests for proposals, RFPs, that effectively guaranteed L.P. Simonelli's selection as a preferred developer by treating unique aspects of L.P. Simonelli as qualifications for a preferred developer status. With that status in hand, L.P. Simonelli secured the marquee $750 million River Bend project in Buffalo. After the scheme was uncovered, Simonelli, Calioros, Howe, and others were indicted for, as relevant here, wire fraud in violation of 18 U.S.C. Section 1343 and conspiracy to commit the same under Section 1349. In the operative indictment and a trial, the government relied solely on the Second Circuit's right-to-control theory of wire fraud, under which the government can establish wire fraud by showing that the defendant schemed to deprive a victim of potentially valuable economic information necessary to make discretionary economic decisions. Consistent with that theory, the district court instructed the jury that the term property in Section 1343 includes intangible interests such as the right to control the use of one's assets, which could be harmed by depriving Fort Schuller of potentially valuable economic information. The jury convicted Simonelli of wire fraud and conspiracy to commit wire fraud. On appeal, Simonelli argued that the right to control one's assets is not property for purposes of Section 1343. The Second Circuit affirmed the convictions on the basis of its long-standing right to control precedence. Held. Because the right to valuable economic information needed to make discretionary economic decisions is not a traditional property interest, the Second Circuit's right-to-control theory cannot form the basis for a conviction under the federal fraud statutes. A. The federal wire fraud statute criminalizes the use of interstate wires for any scheme or artifice to defraud or for obtaining money or property 
by means of false or fraudulent pretenses, representations, or promises. When the federal wire fraud statute was enacted, the common understanding of the words to defraud referred to wrongdoing one in his property rights. Cleveland versus United States. This court has therefore consistently understood the statute's money or property requirement as limiting the scheme or artifice to defraud element. Even so, 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 I'm sorry, even so, lower federal courts for decades interpreted the mail and wire fraud statutes to protect intangible interests unconnected to traditional property rights. See Skilling versus United States. This court halted that trend in McNally versus United States, which confined the statute to the protection of individual property rights. The right to control theory cannot be squared with the text of the federal fraud statutes, which are limited in scope to the protection of property rights. The so-called right to control is not an interest that had long been recognized as property when the wire fraud statute was enacted. Carpenter versus United States. From the theory's inception, the Second Circuit has not grounded the right to control in traditional property notions. The theory is also inconsistent with the structure and history of the federal fraud statutes. Congress responded to this court's decisions in, decision in McNally by enacting Section 1346, which revived only the intangible right of honest services one of many intangible rights protected by courts under the fraud statutes pre-McNally. Congress's silence regarding other such intangible interests forecloses the judicial expansion of the wire fraud statute to cover the intangible right to control. Finally, by treating mere information as the protected interest, the right to control theory vastly expands federal jurisdiction to an almost limitless variety of deceptive actions traditionally left to state law. B. Despite relying exclusively on the right to control theory before the grand jury, district court, and second circuit, the government now concedes that the theory as articulated below is erroneous. Yet the government insists that the court can affirm Simonelli's convictions by applying facts presented to the jury below to the elements of a different wire fraud theory. The court declines the government's request, which would require the court to assume not only the function of a court of first view, but also of a jury. See McCormick v. United States. Reversed and remanded. Justice Thomas delivered the opinion for a unanimous court. Justice Alito filed a concurring opinion. If you have any thoughts, questions, comments about the show, feel free to shoot us an email at scotusdecisions at gmail.com. This is Jake Leahy, and thank you again for listening today.